David. Good evening. It's Europa. Europa League, isn't it? Yes, it yeah, is indeed. Europa League night. Do would you like a very, 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 very quick? Yeah, because we might as well get them into... Uh, Moneybags, Linfield. Now, I have no idea if they've money bags, but Jesus, they're 2-1 up at home to Carabag after an hour. So doing very well. Conquerors of... Who, Carabag? Yeah. Uh, 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 Dundalk. Who? Dundalk, yeah. No, because there's so many bloody clubs. Legia Warsaw, didn't they conquer Dundalk as well? Oh, last time. Last year. No, but there was two conquerors technically on Dock this year. Did they not come in? Oh, sorry. Uh, who did they get knocked out? Um, just, no, but anyway, they, they're nil all. They finished nil all at home to Rangers. So Rangers with nil all draw away to Legia Warsaw. Well, that's I not thought, bad. I thought they were beaten by Legia Warsaw this year. Anyway, anyway. Uh, Celtic are 1-0 up with an hour gone. Um, oh. Can't say okay. Marco Sullivan's crew. James Forrest after 48 minutes and Bolly Bolingoli and Bumbo got booked. <laughs> I again. love that name. Say it again. Bolly Bolingoli and Bumbo. I have to say it like that otherwise I won't say it right. <laughs> but uh, Seb Larson was booked for AIK so he's obviously gone back home to, mm. to do what a few of us Irish lads like to do and Wolves at half time away to Torino they're 1-0 up. That'd be an interesting game. Yeah, so it's, on tele- it's on television as well. Yeah. So that'd uh, be uh, an OG after 43 minutes just before half time. So yeah, they're the, the four kind of uh, local sites and uh, there's some big teams there PSV are in it Braga Spartak Mosul plenty so yeah we're at, we're at the business end ok today guests who do we have today we have Peter Taylor uh, who is a football manager researcher yes. which I was very intrigued by and I can't wait to have a little chat about that but that'll be at the end because mainly he's here today to talk about the unfortunate position of Barry FC at the moment who have yet to field a game in chronic financial trouble and Tomorrow into- is the deadline, but there's an alleged 48-hour extension because there's four new prospective buyers. But, yeah. but are these stories true, though? And if somebody's bought, does it really fix it, though? Because this is what we need to know. Will they be able to get enough players? Have they enough players? Why aren't they playing? This is what's all going to come up uh, after the, after this song. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. What song have we got? And, uh, this is kind of a little loud to it, but uh, this is Bills by uh, Lunch Money Lewis. Welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. Now you got to bear with us. We are currently calling Peter and hopefully Peter picks up now. I'll do the shipping forecast while you're doing that, will I? Oh, Ooh. nice music. Peter. Hello. Peter, yay. <laughs> Great stuff. How are you, Peter? How are things? Too bad under the circumstances. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah. Peter. We should take the tone down a little bit here, should we? Listen, I'm going to just do a little introduction for you, Peter. So, with the club in financial turmoil and six successive fixtures cancelled so far this season, the Shakers could be expelled from the English Football League. The Shakers being Bury FC. It's a nightmare scenario for the clubs and fans of the town. And Peter Taylor is on the line with us. You're a freelance writer, a researcher for Football Manager 2020, and most importantly, a lover of Burnley Football. Barry. Barry. Oh, Bar- Barry. Yeah. Well, see, Burnley, I'm trying to think you're next to him. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh. Isn't that that's harsh? Sorry, Peter. Uh, listen, welcome to the big kickoff. We might just talk about how your love for Bur- uh, Burnley FC started. Sure. Um, 
as you can probably imagine, in the northwest of England, there's a hell of a lot of um, different football clubs, especially back then, still bigger than Barry. But I was a fourth generation fan. My my mum and her mum took me to my first game 25 years ago, um, just over 25 years ago. Didn't actually see a win until the following season. So it wasn't like, you know, you got some kids who go on to see their team win 5 0 and they're hooked. I don't know what it was. It was just something special between us as a family. And then just got hooked from there, really. I had a season ticket for quite a number of years. Um, I don't, as the sort of the name of my blog implies, I don't live near Bury now, but obviously still keep in touch and still write about them and still get to games as much as I can whilst being 150 miles away from the club, really. That is a travel. So that is a a love for the club. So if Burry finds itself in a difficult situation at the moment, can you give us a brief rundown? For those who haven't got the full grasp of the story, what's happening with Burry's position, uh, where they find themselves now? Okay, so try to cut to the chase as much as possible. Uh, Six years ago, they were in a very similar position, uh, a man called Stuart Day took over, who had a, a a very lofty ambition of getting the club to the championship. There were two divisions below at the time. Um, to achieve this, he ran up a very high level of debt for a club of very size, with not much in the way of non-match day income to you know to sort of offset any any debts really. Uh, over one weekend just before last Christmas, it passed over to Steve Dale. There was no notice about the club being sailed publicly or anything like that. It just happened over a weekend. Got announced on an online forum and then that's that it was happening. And then the, the following um, Monday it happened and that was it really. Two months after that, it started, rumours started to emerge that Steve Dale wasn't paying staff and players properly. And then it really, cut into, it really became a big thing sort of the start of April where it became quite wide public knowledge that that was the case, even in the midst of a promotion push, which ultimately was achieved. But um, obviously, basically nobody from that from that time is still there at the club now. They're all gone. Yeah. It's pastures new that are more stable. And yeah, the, after, since then, it's been a case of being in limbo. Steve Dale got this CVA approved, which is a, company voluntary arrangement to reduce the debts basically to a quarter of what they were and they were about 10 million pounds and now it's about three million pounds uh still got the club up for sale um latest i heard was a deal might have been done but you you just can't count the veracity of things you see on social media until you see an official announcement, unfortunately. Yeah, so it was, he bought it for £1, but took yeah. on £10 million in debt, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so how did they get it down from 10 to 3? Um, this, as I said, it was a, through a CVA, which is, is a bit like administration, but all, in all but name, effectively. Okay. That's what triggered the 12-point deduction from the EFL before a ball was kicked as well, not that very have since kicked the ball, obviously, but that's what triggered that. And um, <clears throat> what it meant was, I think, off the top of my head, 75% of secured and unsecured creditors had to basically nod it through. So secure creditors or anyone who's basically a football person, like an ex-manager or players or whoever, 
unsecure could just be anything from a very small business or one individual to the HMRC. So, you know, basically the taxpayer yeah. <laughs> um, who didn't approve it, but themselves, but, you know, they just got just enough of everyone else to get, get over the, over the threshold. So that's what made that happen. And then uh, basically Steve Dale wants, there was a there was a direct basically there was a director's loan in there and one of the one of the creditors was listed as him to the tune of three point six million. Now we believe it was a a director's loan that carried over from Stuart Day to him, and obviously he's not technically a football person, but he still wants we believe nine hundred thousand the twenty five percent of that for himself, and then an extra few million for quote unquote his troubles and um, champ. <laughs> <laughs> in the chairmanship of Berry Football Club in the last eight months. Who is Steve Dale? What, where did he earn his, uh, his few quid? Um, well, depending on who you believe, he doesn't have that many quid to his name. Okay. If you go on um, information that's in the public domain on through Company's House, which is always a, a <coughs> basically a veritable goldmine of information, it looks like most of his previous businesses um were terminated or liquidated in some way and I, I assume he got the assets or some of the assets from those liquidations so it's where the term asset strippers come into play from many different quarters um i'm not going to say that myself necessarily but it does it didn't read very well from the outset and obviously it's not really turned out to be a very good outcome pending tomorrow's decision or if it, if it gets extended or whatever either. So, yeah, not only from what's been in the public domain that, you know, I haven't heard, didn't hear much else about him. There was a couple of people who sort of warned against him, but, you know, it's very hard to know whether to trust random people who talk to you seen it, you know on 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 the internet about somebody how how do you know what they're saying is true how do you know they haven't got some axe to grind themselves it's very difficult to sort of cut, cut through that really and is there a link between Stuart Day and Steve Dale I know you mentioned there about a transfer of the uh, stuff well in one of, I think in the first I might remember in the press conference or the, one of the very first interviews with him there was a guy called Glenn Thomas um, mentioned. Now, Glenn Thomas um, was basically Stuart Day's part business partner, or who was the vice chairman of Berry Football Club when Stuart Day took over, as in he came in with him. Mm-hmm. And then he's still listed on the very short list of who's who of staff still at the club. Um, so most people believe that he's the link between them. It, it, it did kind of say that, that he was in that interview, but mm. people think that there's obviously more to, to it in the background than meets the eye and through some very complicated um, financial transactions. It, it appears that the, the, that might be true, but again, you've got okay. to be careful about, you know, um, adding two and two and coming up with five. So it's it's very difficult for me to say for certain, but, Certainly, you know his 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 ongoing presence isn't um, no isn't particularly bode well. But you know we're we're very close to the end in some fashion now anyway. So 
Absolutely. Yeah. What is the biggest difference? I know, obviously, Bolton are having their trouble as well, and they have the minus 12, but they're somehow still putting out a team. What's the biggest reason why Barry aren't actually fulfilling fixtures at the minute? Because according to the FL, and to be fair, I, I do back them in this regard, um, they haven't seen sufficient proof of funds from Steve okay. Dale that <coughs> Barry Football Club can last the season, can fulfil their fixtures and pay the players and the what remaining staff there are etc etc whereas Bolton even though they are in the administration and there's a preferred bidder in the guys of football ventures even though that's been dragging on mm. nearly two months itself now through that process the, the EFL are obviously more satisfied that there's going to be a positive outcome and that the funds are there for Bolton than there are for Bury. so it's just it's just been hinging on that every okay. EFL statement in the last two or three weeks it's been about barriers basically said the same thing about not having sufficient evidence for them to be able to fulfill the season yeah they Joy Hart who is a daughter of Les Hart he has a stand named after him there doesn't he yeah yeah he does yeah she locked herself to the outside of the front of the club but she, she, she's not the only one who's unhappy. The, the staff have put statements out on the website. Have a lot of staff or players left over the summer months? Yeah, there's basically nobody, nobody left now. I mean, they had about um, a margin error of one or two. They had about 30 or so contracted players um, then the last season. They've currently got Five at the most. I mean, obviously, uh, when they were playing pre-season friendlies, the ones that did go ahead, they did have basically every every single player was a trialist who wasn't one of those five people. Uh, as regards staff, <clears throat> not that there was that many anyway. There's probably about ooh, between twenty and thirty non-football staff. But even a cursory glance at the official website now probably lists ten, if that. Right. So there's been a swinging cut in both non-football staff and football staff over the summer. I mean, some would say that some of that was necessary. Sure, I, I would disagree with that. But there are there are methods of doing it, and then there are methods of doing it which still can mean that there's still a very football club into 2020, which doesn't look likely at the moment. So yeah. So, so they've got till tomorrow supposedly yeah to... i'm not sure if it's midnight or 5 p.m yeah. i've seen two i've different... seen a headline before we came into the studio that there may be another 48 hours purely on the basis that there's four prospective buyers but as i said it was a headline you've seen uh, how how staunch it is i know andy burnham the local mp is involved apparently trying it, to... is the mayor is the mayor yeah. for greater manchester it used to be an mp yeah. Yeah. yeah um so even what is the likelihood of the club surviving now because even if they get someone in, are they? Go is the process going to rush someone else in, or you know, could you be still in the same boat if you got a new owner and they're not checked up properly? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's that that fear of the latter. I mean, I've seen some of the rumours of one of the interested parties, um, a guy by the name of Norman Smurfwaite, who was up until very very recently the chairman of Port Vale, um, and. Yeah, his um, history is less than salubrious of that club and threatened all sorts of things about putting that club in into administration because he wasn't going to put any more money in. And thankfully for them, a couple who were Port Vale fans came and paid over the odds for that club and 
basically saved them from a similar, perhaps a similar fate to Barry. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite worried that still the outcome could be quite negative, even if somebody does take over. I think what I'm trying to stress, and many of our fans, not just of Barry, but other clubs in similar situations too, is there's got to be a change in sort of the model of ownership or the way it's regulated, because any single club, perhaps outside the top six in the Premier League, is just one bad or rogue owner away from mm. potentially going out of business now, I think. Yeah, well, we had this discussion off the air about Newcastle United, who could very easily drop this year, and you could see that rolling on again like Sunderland mm. the following year, and it doesn't take much... The, big, the bigger the club, the, probably the harder to fall because you have those big wages. So it could happen, as you said, to any club at all. That uh, size doesn't make a difference. To, do the EFL have some role that they should be playing in this? Like, was the deal... Like? Yeah, first of all, the deal starting off, bringing Dale in, is there stuff that's just overseeing just to try and keep the clubs going? Are they really stringent rules and... Could they be helping out in any way now rather than... I know they are given extensions, but is there anything else they could do? Not within the bounds of the, the current re- regulations, to be honest. No, I mean, a lot of the criticism levelled at them isn't wholly fair. I mean, some of it is, but, I mean, they are limited in what they can do, really, by just their own powers or lack of. They're not, they're not above company law. I mean, you say, like, for example, Steve Dale came in midway through the season and, and the proof no sorry the fit and proper test he failed but when when an owner new owner comes in power through the season it takes them a long time to do all the checks and obviously you know the argument would be well if it you know um if they didn't if they didn't let him through then there wouldn't have been a very football club even back in december yeah. so it's a difficult one they, they don't have as i say they don't have that much power um really it needs some sort of independent regulation from the government i mean not directly but just some sort of regulation from the government looking at clubs profit and loss uh, records rather than necessarily the level of debt because obviously there's very very big clubs say like manchester united who have mountains and mountains of debt but obviously they can service the debt because of the size of the club and the mm. commercial value and all that sort of thing so it's not it's not always necessarily about the debt but the sort of profit and loss and cash in hand and all that sort of thing that Sure. They need to be looking at, but the EFL probably don't have that many staff, and as I say, don't have really the powers to to be doing all this sort of thing at the moment. Are so. are clubs in the lower leagues, League One, League Two, are some of them playing? Well, obviously they are above their means. Should the league be taking more of an insight into how the clubs are being run and? Like everyone has that dream of trying to get to the Premier League, and we talked again off air about Salford. If the what was the name of the owner, Dave Vincent Tan, I think, is it? If he take if he, he drops out, they they find themselves in a different. Vincent Tan's um, car, I think it's oh, Peter sorry, Lim. Peter, Peter Lim, sorry, yeah. So they they've got that money, but once once someone like that leaves, then they're in a whole new different situation. Should they be? Should there be some sort of restrictions on clubs in those lower levels? Well, there are there are some, but people just don't think it goes far enough. There are there are in effect salary caps, but it's it's linked to I think it's six percent of spend or something like that for. League two and it goes it goes slightly up in League one and uh, the championships a whole different kettle of fish unfortunately so it, it 
Yeah, they should be looking at it. But as I say, I think they're limited by by the number of people who work at the AFL and the number of, you know, how things just change very quickly at lots of different clubs. I mean, Sunderland, like you said before, is a good example where they looked like they were heading out of business not that long ago. And then obviously Stuart Donald took over and <clears throat> things are looking a lot better for them now. And yeah, it's really, I think they're in a very difficult situation. I do have a lot of sympathy with the AFL in most regards. And yeah, yeah, there should be. I mean, yeah, if, if um, Peter Lim left and obviously they've still got the most of the class of 92, as they're often called, yeah. backing them. So maybe... Maybe it wouldn't be quite so drastic in their case, but for anyone else, you know, that's probably coming up against the glass ceiling to get to the championship, and then they're up against clubs coming down from the Premier League and yeah. having solidarity payments from the Premier League, and obviously the parachute payments if they've been in there recently. So it's almost like the Premier League is trying to make it a close shop where the same clubs get relegated from it but get promoted back to it. So. It's got to be a leveling, leveling in some regard of ambition against sustainability. Is there a potential for fans to get involved? Not necessarily with the current sitting the way Berry is, but like a an AFC Berry, like a bit like Wimbledon or FC United or Manchester. Is there a, if if this does go wrong? Is there fans alternatives to try and bring them back through the the ranks the the uh, the old school way? Yeah, absolutely. There's been discussions about that for quite a while on online and offline uh, a few months, certainly. I did my own sort of research into this. As I said, when I thought the writing was on the wall back in early mm. April, I spoke to somebody on the board at Chester FC, and obviously they used to be Chester City before sure. they went to the wall and reformed as Chester FC. So what somebody at Sport Supporters Direct, which is like the... I don't know what what they'd be called like, but but like the fact that umbrella fan group for mm. everybody in at least England, if not the entire UK, just about how how would you go about set, setting up a Phoenix club and just get as much information as I could to relay to other people. And I'm sure other people did their own inquiries. Yeah, there's quite a lot of groundwork there, and there's there is a good appetite for a Phoenix club. Or mm. if if the club do survive, then the fans having much more of a stake in how it's controlled because there's, there's no point in a way say Barry being saved tomorrow or over the weekend or on bank holiday or whatever and it just being a similar situation one or two years down the line it's just not sustainable and it's very draining on all the supporters so there needs to be much more of a fan say in Bury and in other clubs and how they run. I mean, obviously the German model of 50 plus yeah. one is often quoted is the ideal, but I think it's gonna it would take a hell of a lot of persuasion for a lot of clubs to adopt that sort of model now. I think the opportunity might have been missed a while ago, hmm. probably 15, 16 years ago, really. But it might take a Bury going to the wall or another team, maybe if Bolton, if it doesn't work out for them until you know there's, there's a real recognition that something drastic has to take place yeah we'll slightly change it you <laughs> are a football manager researcher yeah i've done it for i did it for uh 17 i didn't do it for 18 and then i did it for 19 and i was doing it for 20 but obviously this is completely <laughs> yeah. interrupted all that so you're just doing it for Berry. yeah yeah okay. um every almost every club on the game has 
at least one researcher. Obviously, okay. Premier League clubs have quite a few because of the the renown and just to make sure that somebody isn't putting, I don't know, some random youth players, you know, like the next Cristiano Ronaldo yeah. or something without it being checked by other people, that sort of thing. <laughs> so do do any of the players know you? Yeah, yeah. Um, do you get some, hassle? Some, some of the players know me through <laughs> that work and I've interviewed a few of them for my blog and separately as well. Oh, oh when, when they were there last season, I should say. And do they, not do, many they, of them that. do they question things? Passing well, you mean, you mean like stats on the game? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, I've only ever had it the other way, where they've been impressed by their stats. <laughs> because because I keep a close eye, I did keep a close eye on the under-18s, and they got to the FA Youth Cup quarter-final last season, only mm-hmm. to lose to Liverpool, which is not, not exactly a... No, crying shame really yeah. and I rated a lot of them quite highly and a lot of them have since gone on to Premier League or Championship under 23 sides Good. obviously one step away from the first team so it looks like rating them highly was kind of vindicated by that and there's, there's still a couple of lads um, at the club who you know um, sort of know me through the, through the game and my research on it and they, they do help me out with certain bits of it not not necessarily their stats or anything just you know like which clubs they support and all that sort of thing so that all feeds into yeah how the you know how the game works really and what communication do you get from i suppose your employers football manager what what do you do they ever question that and you do do yeah yeah of course um not that not that often like i said they question some of the um i think it's the potential rating for some of the under 18s and occasionally why a player is in this certain position and this sort of thing but there are lots of guidelines for what you're supposed to do and that there are um, minimum and maximum um, ratings for what okay. players can be in and okay. in, in the league and obviously yeah. very reputationally and all this sort of thing so mm. it is quite well regulated really okay well listen peter we hope Hope yeah. a million percent that they're in 2020 FM and 2021 and, yeah, so, of on and so on. We can only keep an eye out and hopefully something's going to be solved. If uh, if if, if Atten does change, we may get back on to you and, and, and get a bit more information off it. But listen, thanks very much for taking our call. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having Brilliant. me on. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Peter. Talk to you soon. No worries. Bye-bye. Bye. bye. There you go. There we go. Oh, there we go. So... A man, he's, you can see how distraught you, he is. You can hear in his voice. Um, yeah, you can hear his voice. Like his club is, it's literally on life support at the minute, yeah. and it's whether do you pull the plug or is somebody gonna somehow find the the the, the magic cure? And there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing. Like it literally, that's what it is. Um, and you and as I said, as you said it there, like yeah, you can hear it, and you do you do feel for them. We're, we're spoiled. Yeah. Being Liverpool United and City and Chelsea, we're spoiled. Of course. I remember watching, I said it here but last year or whatever, when I watched the the Sunderland documentary, Like it was, they got relegated and half the staff had to go. Yeah. Like behind the scenes, you're going, Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm never moaning about Liverpool. And whatever happens is a bloody bone. We are spoiled rotten. Mm. And we never have to worry about it. And then the very next week. Ah, <laughs> oh, Shakiri. Ah, oh, rubbish. <laughs> Listen, we'll talk to you after the break. You're listening to Liffy Sound on 96.4 FM. Right, come on. I need a pickup.
No, just that depressed me a little bit. Oh, really? <laughs> I felt so sorry for him. And it's not in a bad way. The NTO is very no, gladly no, listened there. He, but I could very, just very hear the hurt in him. And if, I, if he was here, I'd put my arm around him. Right, so the only way you know to pick yourself up is golf. <laughs> yeah. God, the ah no um, the tour championship is finishing it's the top 30 and all 30 can win yeah the the big prize of 15 million dollars and it was a staggered start which I didn't realise up until a day or two ago and Justin Thomas obviously was number one in the rankings and he started on 10 under and obviously 30 had started on level and various different uh Scores, I think uh, McElroy was on five under. So basically, just a quick roundup. There's three lads on 10 under at the moment. Xander Schauffele, uh, Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantley. And Mr. McElroy is currently on seven under. So he's only three shots mm. off the lead already with three round, three and a half rounds or yeah, tr- three and a bit rounds to go. So right back in it. But it was very interesting in his press conference. Um, they were asking about the staggered start, this, that, and the other, the FedEx Cup. But, and they were kind of going, he thinks the money shouldn't be the biggest advertisement. It seems to be the biggest tagline in this. He said, it should be more the golf. And he says, you might start pushing few away from this. This is a big tournament. It's, the, it's your season-ending tournament. Mm. The, t- the elite 30 from the season. But it's all about $15 million, $15 million, fifteen. Million. And eventually, he says, he, it, that shouldn't be the main tagline. It shouldn't be right at the very forefront. He says, how much does the Masters winners get you don't really know you know who won it and you know it's the green jacket he said it should be a bit similar to this everyone knows there's a big massive Brucey bonus but it's the way it's advertised is the only reason why it's important not just because of the money yeah but it's not they did not have to throw five times the amount of money at it just to make it have some importance um, probably probably to make sure that they all go but I think the way it's done with the, tr- the two or three and they, t- they tip away, pride and the competitive spirit in you, I yeah. want to be in that t- top 30. And now that there's a stagger, st- oh, I'm 10 shots off, I'm going to show them yeah. and get up there. So it might work. I'm not sure how the stagger thing will work, but it's interesting that all 30 can be involved. Now, as far as I'm aware, I think if you're 30th and you win, I think you become number one. So it doesn't really matter if you won four this year, you had a 10-shot lead and somebody pulled you back, they win regardless. Some people might have a problem with that, but I think it's a it's a little interest. Um, obviously, some of the lead has been whittled away by some of the guys who are nearby, so it's not going to be a complete landslide for obviously Justin Thomas, and he's been up and down today. Uh, Brooks Cup has been been up and down. McElroy in the last few weeks, I was uh, all year. I was thinking it's it's, it's driving. He keeps going into the bloody uh, rough and this down here. But to be honest, it's when he's in the middle of the fairway is when he causes the problems. Yeah, the amount of times he's not hitting the green and then scrambling. Most of the year, they don't show him being perfect a lot. And I was talking to Tony, who watches the golf every week. He says, "Yeah, you, they don't show. They'll show the sheer brilliance, but they don't show the stereotypical drive down the middle and stereotypical putting in the middle of the green. They'll show them struggling a bit because that, you want to see them pulling something out of the bag." Yeah. So he said, "Most of the golf that you probably see, Roy, if you're not watching every week, is him pulling a shot or then scrambling out because." That's what they show because you're interested in seeing them. This is why they are, are as good as they are because they put it within a foot and they're buried behind a tree. But there was a lot of that going on lately with Rory. But from the middle of the ferry, he's putting himself into trouble mm. because apparently his driving stats are phenomenal. But Kepka was all over the place today and there was a great talk with Greg Allen and a few others on Game On the other day. And they were saying like something seriously needs to be done in, in the courses in, in, in America because they can literally grip it and rip it to anywhere and it doesn't matter how good they are with their driver because they can get their wedge out in the next in the next shot no matter right. where they are and get on the green he said it's getting silly because it's 26 under 27 under one last week and they were like what's the fun in that mm. 
you it's know it's all about they can story. literally close their eyes and swing as hard as they can with that driver that it makes the, no difference the British Open is so appealing because th- there is a test the US Open is a test but sometimes a little bit farcical so it, it can be too that's much that's why the British Open is it's, yeah. it's fair yeah. you know but tough uh, and that's this is all target golf really isn't it yeah, 100%. That's what it was last week. Uh, I, f- I watched a little bit of it purely because of the whole who's going to make the top 30, but I struggled because of the fact that it was, yeah, it was pigeon put stuff the way we'd see it. Like So, yeah, it was a bit of a funny one. Um, and then just before we're going to our break, just a bit of sad news today. Junior Gogo. Do you remember that name? Yeah. Sadly passed away. He had yeah. a stroke a couple of years ago and obviously uh, very stable. He's only 40 years of age. Played with Ghana, obviously not in the Forest, Bristol Rovers and a few others. I noticed that today. I was like, Jesus, yeah, that, that, that name has been floating around for a while. So unfortunately for that. And then just a last little snippet, because I have no real big thing about it, but I've seen his picture today, which I find funny. Uh, James Haskell, not big, huge, brute, blondy hair, uh, played rugby. Yeah. Bit like Gaston or something, yeah. from a real stereotype. He has signed up for Bellator, the um, MMA division, and he's having his first fight in the next couple of weeks. It's all about whether he can take a punch in the mouth. <laughs> Big unit. He's going to be in the heavyweight division. Looks the part. But yeah, once somebody smacks you in the mouth, uh, will he still have it? That'd be interesting. Because remember his little fake fight with Freddie, Freddie Flint? Off? Yes. And it was a bit staged. It was a bit whatever. It was funny now. But anyway, we'll see what it is. Just a quick one, just a little before you go. Linfield have finished 3-2 at home to Carabag. They pull one back at the end. Celtic finished 2-0 at home to AIK. And Wolves are now 3-1 up with uh, 12 minutes to go against Torino. And obviously, Rangers finished nil all earlier on away to Legia Warsaw. Good night for the. So, they're all looking pretty. The close clubs. Okay, see you after the break. Tune to Livy Sound 96.4 FM. And welcome back to the big kickoff on Liffey Sound 96.4 FM. If you want to text us, 87 And you know all the mo- social media that we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. 